I'm Jane Z, and this is Farm to Future, the podcast all about eating better for the planet. So we've all heard the label plant-based diet, right? Vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian, all that good stuff. Now, call yourself what you will, but my issue with these labels is that they often feel static, like you're married to certain food groups and never the line you shall cross. Well, I learned a new word from today's guest that might feel more approachable, and that is plant-forward. Instead of following a strict plant-based diet, Chef Marie is moving in the direction of mostly vegetables, but she'll still indulge in meat every now and again, especially as she comes from a Filipino family that normally eats a lot of meat. For those of us that want to divest from factory farming, but still want to enjoy a holiday roast with the family, or maybe we can't afford a plant-based diet in terms of the time and money cost, or we live in a climate where fresh produce just isn't locally available, especially in the winter, setting that intention to go plant forward and incorporate more veggies, but still be flexible when you need to, might be a healthy way to go. In fact, I think almost everyone could benefit from having more vegetables, whether you're already plant-based or an omnivore. So today, Chef Marie is going to walk us through how she went from eating almost all meat to plant-forward, some of her favorite hearty plant-based recipes, and how her one-year-old company, Mana Sacred Meals, delivers sous-vide meal kits and manages to be zero waste. Shout out to my dear friend Kara for introducing me to Marie, who is her cousin. And if you enjoy this episode, be sure to follow Farm to Future on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. This week, since I'm back home in Vancouver, I'll be taking a tour of Mana's kitchen, so be sure to follow farm.2.future on Instagram to check that out. And here is Chef Marie. Food is just such a big part of our family. And, you know, typically being Filipino, I should have been a nurse, but, um, <laughs> we'll break that stereotype, high, right. <laughs> going into high school, you know, that was the plan. I did all my science courses and something in me, since I was a kid, I've been playing around in the kitchen, you know, helping my mom and my grandmother prep and just something with food really connected me. And I just went up to my parents before graduating was just like, so I don't want to become a nurse. (laughs) Were they (laughs) sure? They were like, they were very confused for sure. And they're like, okay, well then what do you want to do? And I think you can blame the, you know, when post-secondary places show up and they talk about the university Mm -hmm. and De Brule at the Art Institute of Vancouver show up. Mm. And so... We could just blame them anyway, because I saw them. I was like, oh my God, I want to go to cooking school. Sounds amazing. I remember they came to our school too, but for (laughs) photography. And it was also very exciting. Right? Either they're just really good at sales, or (laughs) it was something that I was always meant to do. But enough so that like my parents supported it. Mm. And they were like, well, if you are going to do it, you are doing it all the way. Like I did all the courses to get my diploma. And that was like 15 years ago. Straight out of high school, I was the youngest one in the class, like couldn't even drink. I mean, I actually had to get my parents to sign a letter allowing me to do like wine pairing. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, because you were underage. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was the beginning of it. In in school, I was doing French cuisine as like, you know, you had some other courses where you'd learn about like Asian and, you know, African and 
North American style cooking, but our main focus was French, mm. especially when it came to like pastries and baking. And when I was in cooking school, I was in there to become a pastry. Huh. Once I left school, I learned more and more that I actually have a knack for things outside of the pastry realm, which was super cool because it ties in more with what I learned within my roots of cooking. Cause like my mom, my grandma, they didn't really do many desserts, you know, all the flavors that they taught me in our culture and cooking Filipino food, playing around with that. And what I learned in school just really created like my own personal style of cooking, which I think every chef has their own style. And so that's how I came about falling into this field. And I haven't looked back. <laughs> that's a good sign. So, far. <laughs> so did you start out cooking for fine dining restaurants or what did your career kind of look like after culinary school? I mean, while I was in cooking school, I was working at Earl's, you know, just to be a working student and get some experience in. You could easily stay in that realm of casual dining because they will, you know, support you through growing up their ladder or whatever. But I was like, I'm going to do fine dining. And fine dining is like way more serious, way more work. Mm. You really have to have the passion and drive to do it. But it's literally like food art. Mm. (laughs) Uh, It's food art mixed with dancing in the kitchen. Because more often than not, you are in a really small space. It's crazy. Like you go into like a fine dining restaurant and you see this big, beautiful room. Everything is just gorgeous, the ambiance, everything. And if you go back into the kitchen, it's like the smallest part of the Oh no. Okay. So the fine part doesn't apply to the kitchen. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a fine kitchen. It's just a fine. But what's really cool about that is you you learn to work around A, your team. But B, you, you really learn organizational skills, you know, flow. And you you literally are dancing in the kitchen with other people because everybody knows where one person is without even looking Mm -hmm. as you're cooking. And you guys work together to create these really beautiful plates. And that's what I loved about fine dining was like the hustle of literally dancing. And that's really something that I think any chef can relate to. You know, when you are flowing with your team, it's the coolest Mm -hmm. feeling. But it also comes with a lot of pressure and stress. Yeah. Um, because if one person's off, it really shifts the dynamic. The whole choreography is off. Exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, the other person kind of has to step into support, but that's the whole team aspect of being in a kitchen anyway. Mm. It was a lot of work. It was a lot of time away. You know, I was so focused on my passion for cooking that I neglected everything else in my life. Mm. The hours and the missing out on different moments. There came a point where I was just like, oh, wait. I'm literally only in the kitchen. Mm. I don't have a life outside of that. Um, And I try to create balance by transitioning to a more structured way of cooking, like doing corporate and private catering. Gotcha. Yeah, because I guess in restaurant business, you're working evenings and weekends, which is when everybody else has off and family stuff is happening. And you are working anywhere from like 10 to 14 hours a day. That's on your crazy. feet all day long Oof. where when you get home you even have this like little bit of a high after like you're so tired that you reach the point of exhaustion that you still have energy when you get home mm. so you can't even fall asleep <sighs> so you just like do this cycle 
over and over again. And honestly, it is a lifestyle and it was fun. And I cherish every moment that I had and all the experiences I had. But if it's not your passion, I do not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't think anyone who doesn't love it would last. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot of work. So that's what kind of helped me decide to transition out of that lifestyle into something more like a Monday to Friday thing where I was doing corporate catering for this um, family company downtown. And then their daughter, which was like one of my best friends, and I ventured off into doing private events because we both came from fine dining and kind of had the same experience of just like, we need to take a step back, but still carry on our passion for cooking. So that's how we built our previous business was doing, you know, private events. And it was the right amount of work because we had our Monday to Friday with her parents and we had the option to like take on more events on the weekends or not. It's just really important to balance work and life because you get so caught up. You could be on your feet for 16 hours and then be like, oh my God, suddenly you're like, oh, I'm tired. Mm. Oh wait, it's because I worked 16 hours. Yeah. Time just flies and you don't realize how much you forgotten or moments that you may have missed out on. And mm-hmm. and some of that cost came in terms of health, right? At a certain point, you got diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, I am. Um, it's in remission now, but I have Graves disease, which is an autoimmune disorder from having an overactive thyroid, mm. which is often caused genetically, but um, also like stress does not help mm. at all. And being in a high stress career, it was hard to fix without resorting to medicine. You know, take this many pills every day until your hormone levels and your thyroid levels are all balanced, Mm -hmm. which I tried to do when I was first diagnosed. Yeah, suddenly I just dropped a bunch of weight. Mm. And for me, that was like, ooh, I'm like so happy. (laughs) Oh, you look sick. And Mm. I'm like, no, it's fine. Like, that's how disconnected I was from myself and my body. Mm. I was so busy being in my hustle that people were like, I think you're sick. And I was like, no, it's fine. My doctor was like, hey, I haven't seen you in like five Mm. years. Can we just do like a general check? Right, right. (laughs) That's kind of where they found it because, you know, the significant weight loss, you know, the bulging eyes, like none of that really affected me like heart palpitations. I was like, oh, it's just because I drink a lot of coffee. Like I was just making every excuse to keep going. Mm. When my doctor is like, you actually have a condition and we need to send you to a specialist. I was kind of like, okay, well, that's fine too. Like just add it on my list of things to do. Oh, wow. So that wasn't a wake up call yet. When I first found out, no, Mm. because in my mind, I was like, well, I still feel fine. Mm. But she's just like, you know, if you keep going like this, it's not necessarily about the actual autoimmune disorder now. It's all the effects that are going to happen to you later down the road. Anything from a heart condition or having to lose your thyroid because you can't manage it or whatever. Talking to my dad about it, you know, he was just like, you know, dad's there like, oh, I talked to so-and-so and I talked to this guy and He said to eat a lot of this and it was always like, eat a lot of kale and Mm. eat a lot of broccoli and cauliflower, like vegetables, like it'll help you. And I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. (laughs) And being Filipino, especially like in our household, vegetables were like the lowest of (laughs) the smallest food group. (laughs) Exactly. So it was super foreign to me, but I was just like, okay, well, what do I have to lose? It's part of my daily practice of eating. 
I just need to add more vegetables. I didn't like the idea of having to take medication every single day. So when I was finally more considerate of myself or more serious about my condition, I was like, okay, I'm just going to eat more vegetables then. Like, whatever. We'll see what happens. And then I started to notice a change in my blood tests. I had to get blood tests done every month. And then I would, you know, sporadically take my medication. And then eventually I slowly stopped taking it, incorporating way more vegetables into my diet. And my specialist was like, okay, yeah, your thyroid's looking wow. good. Like, and so that's what kind of inspired me to be on a more plant-forward diet. Mm -hmm. Parents are always right, I yeah. guess. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, parents are right, yeah. and eating more vegetables was the right call. And, you know, as I started following that diet more, I started following other people on social media who have, like, autoimmune disorders. And, you know, I think about it, and I'm not sure if this actually even makes sense or it's right, but because there are hormones in the meat we eat, I'm like, could it have affected my own hormones, putting that much meat into my body? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But definitely, like, it worked for me, and I'm happy I did it because I'm the worst at taking medication. <laughs> I mean, who wants to, right? <laughs> exactly. And also, like, at my age, like, I'm only in my 30s. I shouldn't have, like, the Monday, Tuesday, yeah. Thursday, Friday, like, like yeah, no, you've you know, got you've got decades left before you need to consider that. <laughs> That's what pushed me to a more plant forward diet. Sure. Plant forward. I've actually never heard it described that way because I always hear plant based or vegan, vegetarian. Uh, but that's a really interesting way of describing it. Yeah, I mean, I consider myself plant forward because, you know, plant based, they say 80% of your diet is vegetables. So mm. I, like, I guess I am plant based, but because I still indulge in meat sometimes, I'm like, no, I'm plant forward. Hmm. Like, I need to be honest with myself. Yeah. I think anyone who's considering and transitioning to a more plant-based diet, I, I would consider it plant forward mm. because you are directing yourself to a more plant forward diet. I love that. Versus yeah. like being completely plant-based. I mean, we've been creating so many different words for like different diet lifestyles just to like see what resonates with a person. Because at MANA, we, you know, it's not just for vegans. It's really for everybody at whatever journey you're at along the way to plant, if that is your journey, or if you just wanted to try it out. You know, so many people who, who really love meat are like, no, I can't eat plant-based. And they automatically call it vegan, by the way, mm -hmm. like, which is two totally different things. <laughs> but some people just order it for a week to test the waters out to see if if, you know, they can prove us wrong or whatever they're feeling. But manna is just, it's for everybody. Some people even add a little bit of their own protein of choice to it. And that's fine too. Mm. But it's just like, you know, creating that conscious of being majority plants. It sounds like a journey, right? It's like plant forward this yeah. way, rather than being so static, like I'm 100% <laughs> plant or 100% yeah. this way. Yeah, exactly. Because it, it is a journey. You know, some weeks I'm super solid and fully plant-based. And then other weeks, like, my mom will bring fried chicken home or something. Yeah. I don't know. And you it's know, like, or why she'll... not? Like, once in a while. And also, like, my mom knows I'm plant-based or plant-forward. And, you know, she'll be like, here, I made you all these vegetables. And then, you know, there's, like, shrimp in it. So <laughs> right. it's also, like, you know, trying to educate someone else and them presenting you a meal with all the right intentions. Mm. And then I'm like, there's still shrimp. In yeah. There. So 
I wouldn't make anyone feel guilty for that mm-hmm. because that's not going to help you get to a more plant forward diet by being like, I can't believe you put shrimp in my food vegetables. Yeah. Like, what the heck, mom? <laughs> <laughs> you don't <laughs> get it. <laughs> because it's a learning journey for everybody. Watching all the documentaries, learning so much about factory farming. It's a full learning process. And so that's why plant forward kind of works for me mm-hmm. because it's a journey that's never going to end, at least for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people out there who primarily eat meat and grains and don't eat a lot of vegetables, I mean, I think most or all of us could benefit from just having more vegetables in our diet. Um, so you were running this catering business and then at some point you had the idea for Mana. How did that business come about? So at my previous private catering company, we had a client who we catered in their home. And that's where I met my business partner, Marcel, who is the husband of our former client. And he was such a fan of our food that he offered to just spend some time to like go over our numbers and make sure we're actually being a profitable business so that, you know, we can be there for the long term. He's like more often than not, so many people who have businesses make the mistake of undervaluing their worth. And, you know, in that creates burnout or bankruptcy, or, you know, you're just not making enough money to sustain a business and then you're forced to shut down. Mm -hmm. But that moment was actually not the right time. It was like six years before I reached out to him. When my business partner's family was selling their business, I was considering taking over. And the only person I knew to reach out to was my my now business partner. I'm like, I don't know what I'm looking at. I have this assessment. They're offering X amount of dollars. Do you mind taking a moment to review it? And this is six years later. Wow. I was like, I didn't talk to the guy for how many years? But you still remembered him. Well, I remembered him. I remembered what he asked and, and the offer he made. And I was just like, but what do I have to lose? At this point, he is my only option of someone who I trust will give me sound advice. And he replied and he said yes. And that began my journey with him. And he mentored me through learning business all the books he showed me to read, learning about how a business should be, or at least proper practices, did all that homework while I was working. And then a new owner took over, offered me a significant amount of money to stay. But something in me was just like, this is the end of this season. It's time for something else. And I didn't know what it was going to be. But I was just like, Well, you know, I've been working my butt off for how many years anyway. So even if I just leave to take a break, I think I'm okay with that. And that began the journey through discovering MANA. Backtrack. When they were our clients, Marcel would go on trips away. He, like, built a cabin from scratch. But while he was building it, Jack of all trades, (laughs) like I tell you. When he was building it, he didn't have a kitchen. He was in a forest. He had fire, a pot, and water. And he's like, is there any way you can, like, feed me while I'm building this cabin Mm. in this forest somewhere on some island? And I was like, the only way I can think of is to do it sous vide style. So in vacuum pack bags. So all he has to do is heat the pot with water, dunk his food in, and then he has food in the middle of nowhere just by making a fire. Wow. And, like, really good food. 
and good. <laughs> yeah. So then fast forward to me quitting my job and already following a plant forward diet and just seeing the impact of factory farming, animal cruelty, the state that our environment is in. We were really compelled to work on something. And, and Marcel's like, I'm going to teach you how to make a, a business plan. So it really forced me to be more clear on what I was trying to do, how I was going to do it. What are my core values? What is the mission behind MANA? As a business, I'm not really the kind of person who wants to hold the money just for myself. It is to give back. It's for the future. Mm. The word MANA or like where MANA came from. I mean, my mom is quite spiritual and religious. So she was just like, MANA is food from heaven. Mm. She kind of mentioned the word when we were trying to figure out a name. You know, she, she was like, it's in the Bible. You know, they always refer to it as like MANA from heaven. I'm like, okay, that's an option. Sure. But what really set it off for me was, you know, I was talking to my dad about it. I was like, yeah, mom said like MANA. And he's like, oh, it's kind of like Minamana in Tagalog, our Filipino language. It means to leave an inheritance or like passing something on. So mana for me was really more like, hey, it's like it is a gift as a source of sustenance just for anybody's body. But for me, it was more like to leave an inheritance. Mm. We want to create that impact for the future because at the rate we're going, we are going to run out of food if we keep producing the amount of meat that we're producing, you know, Let's talk deforestation and climate change, um, especially the idea that we are literally tearing down these forests to create farmland, to create grains, to feed animals before people. That is mind blowing to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and just the way where some company like businesses are doing it. Factory farming is huge, right? Around the world. There's such a need for it because so many people eat meat. So that's where we come along where it's just like, maybe you don't have to eat that much meat. Maybe you can just cut back. Mm -hmm. And if everybody does their part in cutting back, like we will make a difference. We will leave food for generations to come. Mm -hmm. Those were a lot of things that were running through my mind when MANA was created. It was to create the change of kitchen practices. I want to be able to offer people who work at MANA like a work-life balance. Mm. You know, we only work four days a week. We work 10 hour days, but you know, it gives you a three day weekend mm. every week. Later down the road, we, we want to cut that. Only working 30 hours a week, still getting paid the 40 to really just balance that work life lifestyle. Yeah. Practice what you preach. Mm. Like if I want to be able to do it for myself, I need to be able to do it for others. So like, you know, mana, sacred meals comes from creating sacred time with the people you love mm. and the people you care about. Our meals are ready, most of them in under 10 or 15 minutes. We've cut all that cleaning and the prep out of your day so that you have more time to do what you love, whether it's for yourself, for your family, go hang out with a friend, go to the gym, whatever. It saves you time so that you can focus on the things you really love and you're passionate about. Mm. You know, as a business, you have so much ability to impact in terms of the supply chains that you work with. And just by cutting out all meat, you're cutting out that supply chain with factory farming. It's really interesting to hear how intentionally you made that choice. And then the yeah. sous vide aspect is interesting. Uh, did that mainly come from, you know, working with Marcel and the cabin or is there like a sustainability spin to it? So 
you know, we, we were thinking about like, how are we going to package the food? A lot of meal delivery companies, as you might already know, like some of them come in like fresh ingredients where you have to cook it yourself. Other people have them in like containers ready to go, just pop it in the microwave and you're good. We really wanted to elevate the experience at Mana because I'm like, well, I don't want it to be in a container and then on delivery it got shaken and whatever and then the customer gets it and it's just like a big pile of mud <laughs> but i also am not trying to be like a glorified grocery service mm -hmm. where we give you all the ingredients and a recipe and make you cook it because you know that takes away from time in the kitchen you make a mess and you have to cook <laughs> so really we just you know did groceries for you <laughs> and give you a recipe so we modeled Mana's packaging through sous vide because we wanted to maintain the quality, but also make it customizable. So all our bags usually come separate in like your protein, starch, and veg. So customers who are maybe trying to follow like a low carb diet will just either not even open their bag of rice or potatoes or whatever and just have their protein and veg or cut it in half, mm. or maybe somebody has a, a smaller appetite, they can open the bag, heat up what they need, and then set the breast aside for the next day or to take to lunch. And then, you know, there is a lot of sustainability intentions behind it because when you vacuum seal food, it's just like it's airtight. By vacuum sealing, you actually add seven to 10 days of extra shelf life in your fridge. Mm. So this allows us to only have to deliver to you once for the entire week, which helps with our fuel emissions. Our drivers are only on the road once a week. And then in your fridge, when you store it, because it's so compact, it doesn't take up a lot of room, which coincides with BC Hydro's Power Smart, because the more packed your fridge is, the more energy it needs to produce to maintain that fridge temperature. Mm. So by having vacuum sealed bags, you're actually also saving energy by just keeping it so compact until you need mm. it. And then on top of that, we have a zero waste recycling program where it is plastic, but it is BPA free and heat proof. We take all those bags back and then we sort through them. So we have a recycling program where we sort through all the plastics, any reusable packaging that we can use, like our ice packs, our cloth bags, the insulated bag it comes in, we sterilize and sanitize all of that for our next deliveries and all the plastics we actually take to the recycle depot to recycle it. It's a service we offer. Some people even do it themselves. Um, it just creates that consciousness and practice to, you know, recycle properly yeah. instead of throwing it apart. So, uh, so on the mm -hmm. customer end, would they keep their packaging and leave it at the door for the delivery person when they come with the next batch of food? Yeah, so because most of our customers are on a subscription base, it's meals delivered every Monday. They just have to rinse the bag out. It comes with a bag where they can put all the mm. used bags into that bag so it doesn't like get all smelly and gross. And then they just leave that bag out. The driver will come, swap the bags. You'll get a no notification on your phone like your meals are here. And then we take all the recycling back and we sort it out. Cool. Last time we spoke, you mentioned the Recycling Council of BC has a specific definition of zero waste. What is that definition? Yeah, so Recycle Council of BC defines zero waste as ensuring that no materials or, you know, packaging and all that is not burned, buried, or thrown into the, our waterways. So by offering this program, like, for sure, we can't guarantee that somebody didn't 
throw our bags in the garbage, but we offer the service to collect it all back and return it to them to ensure that it doesn't end up in our garbage, buried in landfill or in our waterways, Hmm. which, you know, more often than not, because of greenwashing, all the compostable and biodegradable packaging that you're seeing coming out more and more now is still technically considered landfill. Hmm. It only works if the infrastructure in the city and with how we deal with our garbage and and waste changes. Because right now you can't put your compostable container in your compost, Mm. like your organic. It's actually any compostable and biodegradable material right now is only degradable in industrial conditions, which is not really a separate facility that exists right now, unless you go through like a private sector. Mm. There are private companies that I think do do it. But at this time, I think that's what's very misleading. People who are using compostable biodegradable products feel good about themselves. Mm. And they're like, I'm just going to throw it in the garbage and it's just going to disappear in the garbage. Like, no problem. But it's not. And not unless you put it in these private facilities that have the industrial conditions to Mm, like certain chemicals or high pressure to bring it down. Yeah. And so until we can implement that into the city, it's really hard to, you know, incorporate that as like a sustainable packaging item. Right. And you can't expect Um, consumers to do all that legwork themselves. And if you line on some packaging companies, like in small, small fine print, it says like compostable packaging, blah, 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 like looks great. And then in small fine print, like in industrial conditions. Mm. (laughs) So it's like, it's there, but it's not. I (laughs) see. I see. So that was kind of why at this time that like for mana, this is the most sustainable way we are so far. I think the only food members at Recycle Council BC So we are always like, of course, trying to learn like next steps, next best practices. And as the city evolves, so will we. At this time, the intentions behind Zubi packaging kind of outweigh a composable container. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So keeps the flavor, lets people be flexible with their meals and save space in your fridge. I mean, it's a lot of wins for sure. CO2 emissions Mm -hmm. and we take it back and recycle it. Yeah. Like this is just the beginning. This is our first year, like next year, who knows? But I'm always looking for companies. I'm always like, do you have biodegradable vacuum sealed bags yet? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Get on that wait list. (laughs) Yeah. Like, where are you guys? Hurry up. (laughs) The two compostable solutions I've seen that are really cool. One is like corn foam packaging. And this is mainly used Mm -hmm. for like packing peanuts or like if you need to insulate something. But it's just like, it looks like styrofoam, but you can put it under your water. You can rinse it in the sink and it just like disintegrates. Yeah, it's so fun. And then the other thing I saw is actually an at-home compost machine. So it sits on your countertop. It's called Lomi. Mm -hmm. And what you do is you put all your organic food waste. And I think they also take like, compostable forks and cutlery and things and it'll uh, you turn it on you leave it for a few hours i think it mainly dehydrates but the end product is like it turns into soil and so you could just throw that in your garden super Mm -hmm. cool so i think like from the sounds of it it sounds like it's like that industrial conditions Mm -hmm. yeah which super yeah yeah I actually never heard of that. They're in like, a, not Kickstarter, but like a crowdfunding campaign mode. So you can like pre-order oh, one. That's super smart. And also like so awesome because it's almost like 
taking the right steps before even like the city. Does. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Australia is like way ahead of mm. us because they do have some biodegradable vacuum sealed bags there that could have worked for mm. us, but they were like, mm. why are you going to pay top dollar when you don't even have the right infrastructure in your city to dispose of it? And I was like, <laughs> fair enough. That's uh you make a good yeah. point. Thank you for yeah. That's, that's very kind of them for letting <laughs> you know. Like and then a little bit of a dig from like, haha, we're <laughs> right. I mean, like you, you kind of are. <laughs> One day we'll catch up. <laughs> I would love to hear about some of your favorite meals that you guys offer. I was looking at your menu page and just drooling at like the tofu <laughs> peanut saute, and you have like a pesto mac and cheese. But yeah. anyway, I'll let you share maybe some of your favorite from the menu. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm really like biased when it comes to our menu because so far I've, I've been the one creating the recipes, but our next menu coming up is super exciting because some of our other chefs that are working with us are going to have some dishes in there, which I'm super excited about. But I would say like some of the most popular dishes are we have like a, a rib burger. Ooh. When I first made it, it tasted <laughs> like the McDonald's McRib. I didn't know they had McRibs. <laughs> this, this is like the 90s. Okay. <laughs> like, like a discontinued item. Okay. But it tasted exactly like it. So it was wild. So we called it the McManna. And it's like our barbecue rib, which we make out of like seitan and jackfruit. Mm. It comes with our roasted garlic cream cheese, like Ooh. a kale, balsamic, crispy shallot slaw, <sighs> and our hot potato salad, which is like my signature special salad before and then I just veganized it recently and it's still just as good so mm. nothing oh that there. sounds so hearty um, it's so yummy and it's like perfect for a rainy day but also really fun for like summer barbecue yeah we also have a I call it the ocean wise because it's just smart for the water fish cakes <laughs> <laughs> and we make it with a blend of like artichokes hearts of palm mushrooms like Super flavor packed. Uh, I serve it with a white bean remoulade and a nice pickled dill salad. That's also a super popular one. Mac and cheese is usually a big hit, even with kids, which Mm. I think are hard to please, especially if they're not used to having a plant forward diet. And yeah, our peanut tofu bowls are some of the more popular items for sure. Like our sambal peanut, I make a shiitake mushroom fried rice and I serve it with like walk greens of like broccoli, gailan, bok choy. Mm-hmm. And so it's really cool because I think, you know, we've managed to provide like super yummy meals where you don't miss the meat, but we've also worked with a team of nutritionists to make sure that it's nutritionally balanced as well for you. On the nutrition piece, I noticed on the menu pages on each dish, you give the nutritional info like you see on a package, but also there's the green bar graphs where it shows like if you're a male, what is it like age 17 to to 90, here's like how it compares to your daily calorie intake and potassium and all the nutrients. I thought that was so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we have such a great team of nutritionists that they work with me with our recipes. You should be like, okay, add five grams more of beans or add like 10 grams more of this and that. And so it was really cool to work with them because I was just like, whoa, I didn't know like we could just taste good and be good for you to this level mm. because I was always used to in fine dining everything is just like super rich and high quality and you're not caring about the calories you're eating like it's more about the experience right. and it's more about 
the plating. But I think what's cool that we've been able to do at Mana is kind of encompass all of that. You know, if you scan the QR code on our packaging, it will go to a video of me showing you how to plate it just like the photo. So you can have the exact experience that you see in our photo at home. I love that. If you're feeling inspired or you're just like, I don't have time. (laughs) Yeah, no time for the Instagram picture. (laughs) Have you converted anyone to plant-based or plant-forward, whether it's one of your customers or someone in your family? Definitely, like, I would say, like, our younger generation, aside from my brother, (laughs) um, is way more open to it. All my cousins have given it a try who live in the city. And a lot of my friends who have actually, like, one of my best friends, she works at Mana. And she's, she's Dutch, and she, being Dutch, is very, like, meat and carb heavy diet as well. She hates vegetables. Like, she'll tell me the story on and on about when she was a kid and her mom made Brussels sprouts. She would, like, she flushed it all down the toilet to like, it's like oh. that's terrible. She hates vegetables, but she's been eating more and more plant-based meals. Like she loves the sambal peanut. Like that is one of her favorites or the coconut peanut mm. is one of her favorites. Watching her eat the amount of vegetables she's eaten now compared to when I first met her and her fully acknowledging it. Like she's like, I cook vegetables at home and I hate it, <laughs> but I'll eat your vegetables. Like I don't get it. <laughs> it makes me so happy. Like, that is that difference we're making. Or, you know, we send out surveys at the end of every week to see how our customers have experienced it. You know, one person was like, I just love meat so much that this is maybe not something that I'm going to subscribe to right now, but you did a heck of a good job. Mm. So it's just planting that seed as well. Like it's maybe not necessarily the right time for a person to, to even want to give it a try. But if you plant that seed and just with everything becoming more and more transparent in the world with, you know, animal cruelty and what's going on and mother nature. I mean, like, I don't know if you heard, but we've been having like floods, yeah, like the terrible storms, here. you know, it kind of just speaks to you more and more. So it might not necessarily be the right time, but even if you tried it once now, like let's fast forward three years, like let's see what happens then. Mm-hmm. And that's all we're trying to do. If you aren't already in that journey, it's just about planting that seed and just waiting for it to sprout. You know, we're always evolving because I still have so much familiar flavors to me, try and make our meals hearty enough that you don't miss them. Mm. I think with that, it's helped a lot of people be more open to the idea as well. But even on the other end of it, there are a lot of people who are vegan who are just like, I specifically choose to not pick anything in your recipes that mimic meat Mm. because it tastes way too much. Really? And I don't. Yeah. It's really interesting. And so it's finding that balance as we create that menu to have enough variety for people who are on different journeys. I also think like if we can find a way to mimic that meat satiation, you know, it does provide people like minimal excuses to continue eating meat. Like as we grow at Mana, it's like really nailing that satiation. Mm. Like I can't even say like give it that meat like flavor, but it's that satiation or that, you know, a nostalgic comfort of like a comfort dish mm-hmm. that maybe wasn't meat, but still have it in plant-based form. Yeah. My dad is a great example. He eats like more vegetables than meat now, which is crazy. My boyfriend, who I never thought would eat tofu, <laughs> like he'll look at it and be like, oh, so it's not even trying it. He's <laughs> eaten like way more plant-based meals. And he was just like, you know, as long as the flavor's there, yeah. 
like, I think you should do it. And, and so we've been lucky enough to have those moments. Like I said, it's planting the seed. I think we're getting there. A lot of customers have been pretty happy with us. So we're super fortunate. We just want to spread mana with all the right intentions. And also, mm-hmm. I didn't realize you guys only started in the last year. Congrats on all your success so far. Thank you. Yeah, we hit our one year the beginning of November. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, do you guys so have plans to expand beyond Vancouver? Are you, uh, I guess, what's your area that you serve right now? Right now, we service as far east as Chilliwack, Mission, Abbotsford, all the way up the Sea to Sky through like Lions Bay, Squamish, Whistler. We've been getting a lot of queries to go to like Vancouver Island. So those are our next steps to figure out how to get that way. Eventually, hopefully hit up like Portland and Seattle and because it's actually closer for us to go that way than like East Coast. (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. Those are kind of our, our big goals, big plans. We'll see. Do you guys also source most of your ingredients within the Pacific Northwest? Yeah, we try our best to as much as possible. I work with our suppliers to make sure that everything is as local as possible. Within reason, I mean, we also try our best to make sure most of our ingredients are organic. However, we also want to try and balance maintaining variety throughout the year. So it's a mix. Like we can't say we're fully organic and we can't say we're fully local, but we try our best to support as local as possible, but not compromise the variety. Because of course, you know, with Vancouver, we're also limited to the kinds of produce that we get. So it really just depends on season. But even like now leeks, we get in Abbotsford, we can't get because a lot of farms were lost through this rainstorm that we had. So now we just have to replace it with something else. Right, Um, right. Literally adapting to climate change as we speak. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And so, and that's the scary part too, right? Like we're in a a weird time where the most unexpected things, like who knew we would get so much rain? Like this has never happened in years. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we are definitely having to adapt and Sometimes I think, I'm like, this is literally Mother Nature crying at us. Yeah. <laughs> so many tears. I, I think more people need to have the attitude you do. You know, it's a journey and we need to try our best and just move forward. And don't feel bad if you fall. Yeah. It's not yeah. about like winning and losing. It's it's just making the effort. Yeah. If listeners are interested in learning more about you guys, where can they find Mana Online? You can find us on Instagram at Mana Menu. We have tons of nutritional information on there as well. So it's not just videos of me showing you how to cook. (laughs) There's actually a wealth of knowledge. Um, So if you are trying to educate yourself regarding plant-based, there is a lot of information there. And then our website, www.manamenu.com, where you can see the full month's rotation, how we work, what we do, and why we're different. I I forgot to mention that we do have like a charitable reward system uh, instead of cash back, really just encompassing our community efforts. So you really like triple feel good about yourself when you support us to instill that kind of consciousness in your daily practice. Love that. So many reasons to support. Well, thank you so much, Marie, (laughs) for joining today. I really appreciate you chatting with me. (laughs) And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make good food choices this week, and I will talk to you next Tuesday.